Hey everyone, uh, welcome to the Promethean Tides podcast. Uh, as always, I am General and this is Breaker. Hey Breaker. That's a nice capital building you have there. For me to poop on! <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, uh, there's there's a couple uh, interesting things that came out in the news this week, and one of them was that uh, the some of the production crew or workers behind uh, the uh, Triumph the Insult comic dog uh, that is uh, on the Late Show with Stephen Colbert, uh, they were, I guess, in the Capitol, uh, and they weren't supposed to be. And this happened, of course, on the on the on the sixteenth of of June, and this has to be a day that lives on in, in infamy. Um, I mean, January 6th was hugely prob prob problematic, but we cannot forget about the 16th of June. Uh, we will not forget. Christ, I'm not going to fare very well in prison. My asshole is going to be stretched wider than Baba Streisand's mouth. <laughs> uh... <clears throat> Yeah, so that was uh, that was that was a thing that happened, I guess. Uh, it's it's possible that uh, some uh, Democrats let them in. I think that uh, there was an idea that it might have been Chuck Schumer, although uh, I don't know if it's it's known whether that's the case. That's just a hypothesis. But uh, they were waiting around, uh, just kind of walking through the hallways of the Capitol when it was after hours and they shouldn't have been there they were detained and i guess that they're going to be uh, brought up on some sort of uh, trespassing or unlawful entry charge uh and of course this is not a big deal whatsoever uh the only thing that makes this uh, at all really uh, news relevant is just the fact that uh the colbert uh side of the aisle uh has been making a big hubbub about the january 6th uh insurrection and uh talking uh, about how how bad the people are and uh it's so so good they were having these hearings about the the january 6th insurrection because we can finally root out these these terrorist scum and then, oops, uh, yeah, his his own people, uh, turns out that they apparently tried to do their own insurrection, I guess. So, uh, it's just one of those funny things. Well, you see, this is in no way, shape, or form an insurrection, and you would have to be an alt-right conspiracy theorist Nazi to think that, uh comedians and satirists exercising the freedom of the press is in any way analogous to, um, protesters... Ah uh, yes, yes. You see, here's the thing: when it's the when it's the the media and the journalists that are inside the Capitol, well, that's one thing. But if you're doing it to protest, I mean, that's that's shameful. That's un-American. But journalists, they're they're see, they have a different kind of freedom of speech. Uh, they they have it's the same freedom of speech. It's equal. It's equal freedom of speech as everyone. It's just more more equal. So, um. Yeah, you know, it's it's totally chill. You know what I'm thinking about? It's going to be... 
I'm just thinking of the mechanics of them arresting Robert Smichael, the guy that voices the tribe, the insult comic dog character. And I'm thinking in the back of my head, like, what could have been going through those? Because, you know, it's such a popular character in the history of, like, American political satire, especially Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. You would think that the Capitol Police themselves have probably seen it on more than one occasion. And the fact that they have to possibly even meet their hero under such circumstances where they, they literally have to check the dog puppet for bombs and shit. <laughs> and they got to check the the shitty dog puppet arm with a microphone on it to make sure it's not a gun. <laughs> Wait, was it a was it the actual guy that was arrested? I thought it was just some of his uh like uh, yeah. Oh really? Oh, it was him and himself. Wow. Okay. Man, that, Robert that, Michael, man, that must have been awkward having to arrest the the guy with a little dog puppet on his hand. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and the the legendary freaking political cartoonist from Saturday Night Live. You know, the weird thing about that is, um, I remember watching those Robert Smichael satirical cartoons on Saturday Night Live, and a lot of those fucking cartoons would definitely not fly today in the modern progressive atmosphere. There were, like, allusions to... Uh, Republicans enslaving African Americans by accidentally burning the Emancipation Proclamation, and then this Republican senator stands up with like a rope and is like, "You mine now, boy." <laughs> okay, so I do I do have to admit here that in my entire life, I think I've seen about two episodes of Saturday Night Live. I I, I saw the one with Elon Musk, and then I saw one like a few years before that. Uh, I forget why. But I, I actually, I, I, I've, I haven't really watched Saturday Night Live, and I, I don't think I've ever seen The Late Show with, with Colbert. I just, I don't watch any of these things, because I, I've never found them to, to be that funny. But, but a, lot, a lot of people do like them, so that's, that's okay. There was also the ambiguously gay duo cartoons, where it was like Batman and Robin, but it was always this homosexual undertone that they weren't quite explicit about, but... Everything kind of hinted at, it's like, these motherfuckers are gay. Like, someone's getting need to be, but it was never explicit. But they, they did a whole bunch of, like, gay-adjacent things as this superhero duo. It's just like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, right. I, I'm sure that totally is just completely straight. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm offended by even hearing about this. That's blatantly um, homophobic and, at this point, probably transphobic and Islamophobic, so... I know, right? Right in the middle of fucking Pride Month. That's why I bring it up, to bring light to this this horrible fucking crypto-fascist Robert Smichael, and how he probably does actually want to throw overthrow the U.S. government, and he should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Yeah, Jesus Christ, people. It is current year. We have to do better. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, I guess... Uh... There was that. Uh, I I wanted to get this one out uh, in the in the earlier part of the show. Uh, it's it's maybe it's a bit of a heavier conversation, but I I'll, you know uh, I, I wanted to get it out there. Um, <clears throat> between so uh, there's there's a question uh, of uh, who who would people rather uh, run. On, on the Republican ticket in the in the twenty 
2024 uh, presidential election. Uh, and the choice is between Trump and DeSantis. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because the Republicans, uh, they have two excellent choices and the Democrats have none. You know, it, why, why is it that the Republicans can't, you know, why do the Republicans have to have two and the Republicans can't, you know, can't have any? Can't the Republicans give maybe the Democrats DeSantis so they can each have, you know, someone, you know, competent and popular, popular to run? You know, it, it seems unfair. Um, but yeah, so, uh, uh, a lot of people, I don't think that they're, they're sure who they would want to vote for. Uh, and personally speaking, I would be abundantly happy with either of them. But uh, between the two of them, uh, I have to come out and say that I would rather Trump. Um, <clears throat> and I, I say this for a few reasons. So, number one, uh, Trump is a known quantity. Uh, I think that when it comes to... Uh, maybe some of the election fortification that happened in 2020, uh, I think that he's a, uh, uh, he's a woman scorned. And I think, uh, uh, hell, hell hath no theory. Like, uh, if, if Trump got back in, I think that he, he would, he would really be like a bull in the China shop. And I think that he would really try to, uh, tear, tear the motherfucker down, uh, which at the very least would be, would be entertaining. Um, so that, you know, there's that. In addition to that, Trump is a known quantity, uh, not just on the domestic side, but also on the international side. He has shown uh, a fantastic ability to stand up to China uh, and secure uh, the interests of the United States. When it comes to energy policy, he is a known quantity. Uh, he, he, he basically got us to be energy independent, uh, which was fantastic. We all saw this when our gas prices were in incredibly low. Um, <clears throat> we, uh, the, the, the stock market was doing quite well. Uh, wages were rising for uh, not just the wealthiest of Americans, but also the middle class and, and some of the poor Americans. I, uh, I remember a few years ago, there was a, a story that was going, uh, going around of how uh, McDonald's was having to increase the wages of their employees because uh, there was just so much demand for workers. Um, <clears throat> probably has to do with uh, uh, Trump's uh, reasonably good stance on on immigration and how hey, if you just cut out the 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 flow of immigration, well, you know that actually might just raise uh, workers' wages in general. Wouldn't that be nice? Um, so uh, yeah, I, I think uh, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of known quantities and a lot of good with Trump. Now there are uh, shit things with Trump. I, I I am more than willing to agree. Some people have said that uh, Trump he he's just he's unlikable uh, by half the country. The Democrats they just fucking hate him and they will refuse to work with him. I get that. I, I understand, but uh, that's their issue. I don't think that that's our issue, because I think that overall uh, the Republicans kind of like him. I think it's silly to keep worrying about what the Democrats want. Oh, no, Trump isn't palatable enough for, what, the communists? I don't give a shit. Fuck these people. So, 
yeah, I, I, I don't care about that aspect. Uh, now, the parts that I do care about are, let's say, uh, Trump's warp speed initiative. I think that that was uh, quite bungled. Uh, I, I, it was that was that was dumb, and 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 that, that was on Trump. Uh, I mean, it was it was a very unique situation. Uh, I can understand that that's probably not the sort of crisis that he was expecting to face. Uh, he probably handled it as best as he could, but it was not handled well, and I'm more than willing to admit that. Um, he also, uh, he, he was part of uh, the, the, the process of increasing the, uh, the, the selling of tobacco from the age of 18 to 21. I mean, it doesn't affect me because I'm older than both of those ages, but uh, I just, I, 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 I don't think that's right. Um, and uh, Breaker, you were uh, your your issue that you brought up with him was about the uh, the bump stocks, right? Yeah, he was. Uh, if anyone remembers a certain um, unaliving event in Las Vegas a number of years ago, I'm trying to say this as parsimoniously as possible. Um, yeah, that was the major thrust to get the uh, bump stock ban, which you know. Bump stocks, um, they're kind of like a horribly fucking awkward way to kind of sort of do something that looks like fully automatic fire if you squint, but you have to be specially trained and practiced in the use of it in order to get anything remotely resembling that effect, which also, by the way, if you have a freaking mass shooter just spraying and praying, paradoxically, you probably wouldn't think this, but they're going to end up actually killing less people because they're going to go empty more often. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, going going full, uh, full auto is rarely uh, a fantastic idea if the point is to eliminate people, but... Um, or and make, if anyone questions that, and they want to, if, if anyone wants my science to back that up, just look at the uh, ammunition expenditure statistics of the Vietnam War, when the spray and pray method was officially introduced as an actual tactic for the U.S. military. Um, I think they shot seventy thousand bullets, and every one of those bullets actually contacted with an enemy soldier. <laughs> Oh man, that is uh, that is abysmal accuracy. Those, those those guys need to go to go down to the range more often. Um, but uh, yeah, so there are there are issues with with Trump, and I'm uh, I mean at least from the uh, from the 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 more conservative side of things, there there are issues with Trump. I'm I'm sure that there's an infinite number of issues with Trump from the left, but uh, you know what? Fuck these people. Um, now, when it comes to DeSantis, I would I would be happy to have him uh, be president as well, uh, but he's not as much of a known quantity. Uh, the fact of the matter is that he appears to be able to uh, run his state very well. Uh, Florida got through uh, COVID uh, spectacularly, uh, and he seems to be fairly uh, decent on domestic policy. Now, here's the thing, and I, I want to point this out. Trump shined when we were not in a pandemic. As soon as we got into a pandemic, that's when Trump kind of started to trip over himself. Now, it was actually during the pandemic that DeSantis really came out and and, and shined. Uh, so Trump, excellent non-pandemic president. DeSantis appears to be a phenomenal leader during a pandemic. Uh, 
it appears as though we are exiting the pandemic, though. And so I think it's it's worth asking, well, do I want the president that's good at pandemics or the president that's good at not being a, in, a, in a pandemic? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that, that DeSantis is bad at not being in a pandemic. He seems to be like a, a, a fantastic leader, and I would be completely fine with having him be president. It's just that he's, what, what, he, what he's really a known quantity for is domestically dealing with Florida, and what he's best well, well known for is dealing with, with the, the, the COVID situation in Florida, which did a phenomenal job at. When it comes to, uh, let's say, trying to uh, tear down the establishment, I don't know how how well he's going to do with that. When it comes to international relations and standing up to China, I don't know how well he's going to do with that. Uh, when it comes to securing energy independence on the world stage, I don't know how well he's going to do on that. He's just not a known quantity. Now, to be fair... For a lot of these things, Trump wasn't either. We gave him a chance, and it turned out that he did well. Same could be the, true for DeSantis, and he just needs the shot. I understand that. All I'm saying is that we know exactly how... Well, we don't know exactly, but we have a pretty good idea of how the second term uh, of the Trump administration will go. I know that he's getting older. That is a massive downside. Uh, but... As as long as he doesn't start sundowning or, or go uh, senile like uh, like like Biden, then I I would I would rather vote for him. That is, I just want to put that out there. I know that there's going to be disagreement, but I think that between the two of them, I like them both. I would have to side with Trump. So uh, at least at at this juncture, un unless something crazy happens, he he gets uh, at least my official endorsement. Well. Me being, like, much less involved in politics these days, like, for the meme factor alone, I, I, I'm i kind of, like, wanting to just vote for the funniest candidate at this point. That's kind of all I care about. Um, I think Trump, by the memes, like, the meme magic candidate is definitely Trump, as far as that goes. But, okay, realistically and pragmatically speaking, you brought up, like, one major thing that was the uh, whole pandemic angle and how Trump kind of sort of dropped the ball on that a bit. Um, there's a lot of like, and even at his rallies, whenever he brings up vaccines, it's one of the few times he actually gets booed. That's <laughs> when he brings up the fucking vaccine thing. So Americans still remember that shit, especially conservative Americans, especially motherfuckers that had to like get laid off from their job because they refused certain um, medications for completely conspiratorial reasons that were not rooted in reality, Susan. All conspiracy theories. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I want to I uh, just make it very clear um, that, uh, uh, you know, for, for anyone uh, that, that may uh, on the long shot be listening to this at, at YouTube, uh, both both Breaker and I, um, I think I, I'm on my, uh, my, my 18th um, shot. Uh, I, I got one last week just to keep myself healthy. Breaker, you're on your, what, 20-something? Yeah, I'm on, like, the 23rd shot. Like, I've, I I collected all the shots like Pokemon, so I've got, like, all the different pharmaceutical companies, which, by the way, was actual medical advice from an established source, so you know it's trustworthy. Yeah, it was the, uh, I, I think it was the, the CDC uh, who, who came out and said, yeah, uh, 
uh, a, a tactic that Americans should be going for is is the mix and match strategy. You know, if you got a Johnson and Johnson, then get get a Moderna. If if you get a Pfizer, then 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 get a get get a Johnson and Johnson for your second one. Just mix and match them. Let's go for it. What the fuck? What the fuck was that? That was insanity. Um. <laughs> Uh, well, I think you mean that was perfectly rational as the living avatar of science itself. Dr. Anthony Fauci says, you gotta get the vaccine. I am the science. You can trust me. Trump dropped the ball and kind of still seems to be dropping the ball a little bit when it comes to the whole uh, COVID thing. Of course, Trump is never going to back down. He will always say that he did a fantastic job, but he did. And that's that's a fact. So I'll tell you what, if if another uh, uh, pandemic happens, uh, like if we get a, a, a COVID two uh, second boogaloo kind of thing. Uh, I think in that case, uh, DeSantis will be uh, the much better candidate because he knows how to deal with the pandemics, I guess. But I think outside of those extenuating circumstances, I, I have to put my weight behind Trump, and that's that's my opinion. Yeah. Uh, one thing you didn't bring up, though, which is probably going to be as important, if not more so, is the frickin' rhino cons that are still in the Republican seats are going to be... A much bigger problem for a Trump like uh, presidential candidacy than a DeSantis presidential candidacy because DeSantis is kind of a known quantity in that he's an established Republican politician and has been for a while. Where Trump was like, Trump got sniped and mud smeared so much that even other freaking rhino con Republicans just sat on their hands and kind of hamstrung him and wouldn't do anything. So he would come into a room and say, hey, guys, what are we going to do today? And all the freaking rhino cons would just kind of like ignore him and fuck around on their phone. So and he would like kind of look crestfallen and dejected like a scorned child who's like, well, I guess I'll go into the bathroom and tweet that was like most of Trump's fucking presidency, if we're being entirely honest. Now, if you re anyone that out there that really wants Trump, you're going to have to do twice the work, not just vote when the presidential election comes up. You're going to have to try and vote out some of these fucking rhino cons or maybe even run for one of these positions yourself. If you're in a position to do so, you're interested in running for a political office such as that. that that's going to be step one. If you want Trump, you're going to have to do twice the fucking work. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's true. But actually, okay, number one, I think that uh, uh, Trump was going up against the system. And I think that even though the system was against him for his entire administration from both the left and the right for some goddamn reason, um, he still actually managed to get a lot done. Uh, and, and we did see probably the uh, briefly there uh, before COVID hit uh, the strongest economy that I think I had witnessed uh, in uh, like my whole life. So I think he, he did manage to get a lot done. And I think that going into it now, he's going to be a lot smarter. Now, now here's here's actually, uh, here's the thing with DeSantis. You know what? I think that he is more of a known quantity to the establishment. And I think that they're less scared of him because I think that they, exactly. I think that they know that they, they can manipulate him in some way or, or reason with him in some way, and just just get him to to not do what is in favor of, of the American people. I mean, 
maybe maybe they don't have that power. Maybe maybe they uh, you know DeSantis would just turn around and, and fucking give him the finger as well. But uh, I think that that's going to be an issue with anyone that goes in and tries to fuck with the establishment, uh, because the establishment spans both the left and the right. Uh, back in uh, back in 2016, there was uh, a a revolution on both sides of the aisle. Uh, for the left, it was Bernie, and for the right, it was Trump. The Democrats successfully stamped out their revolution, and so they remain as the establishment. The Republican Party is kind of still going through the process of their revolution because they couldn't stop Trump, and so now you have kind of a, a mixture of more uh, populist, kind of more American first, libertarian types against a bunch of uh, uh, neoconservative assholes. Uh, and it seems as though uh, a lot of them, uh, a lot of those neocons might actually be voted out uh, during this uh, coming red wave. Looks like some of them might just get primaried, which would, uh, would just be fantastic. Uh, fuck yeah. So, <clears throat> um... Yeah, you know, I I think just just all all things considered, uh, I think that I think that we want to finish out the the uh, the second half of of Trump's presidency, and uh, you know what? After that, I think that uh, Trump should endorse DeSantis immediately, and uh, let's let's have fucking four years of Trump, and then eight years of of, of DeSantis following that, and I think uh, it, that's gonna make for for a beautiful fucking nation, and it's gonna make it really tough for Democrats to ever uh, get elected with their uh, communist mumbo-jumbo again. On the off chance that anyone listening to this is never going to vote Republican and you're a dyed-in-the-wool, true-blue Democrat motherfucker, um, you need something better than a crazy old corpse puppet that can barely remember his own name or a crazy, maniacal, supervillain-esque woman who basically turned California prisons into slave labor camps. Democrats, you, you got to pull your head out of your ass and realize that the reincarnation of Hitler isn't a fucking thing and get back to fucking reality. Now, I know this is mostly going to fall on deaf ears, but if this message reaches someone on the left, like, this is a fucking embarrassment. Like, Alzheimer's howdy-doody and fucking Megatron, mixed-race Megatron. <laughs> this is not the fucking way. So, uh, who, let's, let's say that the Democrats want to replace Joe Biden in 2024. Um, who would they possibly replace him with? I can't think of a single person in the, the leadership roles of the Democratic Party that I think anyone would really want to vote for. I think that maybe, maybe the best would be Bernie Sanders, but I, I just, I don't think that's, I don't think he's going to win. I think, and he's probably the best that they have. Bernie Sanders is like a living fucking fossil at this point. I think he's the oldest out of all of them. Well, you know what? the the fact that the fact that Bernie Sanders can still at least put two sentences together kind of tells you that maybe, in a sense, age is just a number. You know, because uh, Bernie, I think, is older than Biden, but you know, he doesn't act like it. He acts like he's younger and more spry. 
Yeah, the neoliberal fucking establishment and crony capitalists don't want an actual socialist or anything remotely resembling an actual socialist. I think Tulsi Gabbard, personally, or let, let fucking Andrew Yang try again. Like, somebody that has something resembling sense. I might not agree with them, but at least if, if it's going to be a fucking Democrat, let it be somebody who makes some fucking sense. Well, okay, so uh, as someone who is on the right, I would think that that Tulsi Gabbard is an excellent choice that I you know I think most Americans would actually go huh yeah I think that she's actually a genuine moderate and she's not uh uh, uh fucking uh all timers up so I think that actually that would be a really fantastic choice but I think that the the Democrats already burned that bridge with her and I think they they basically in the eyes of the Democrats, Tulsi Gabbard is basically just a a, a, a conservative neo-Nazi or something. Uh, and Andrew Yang would be uh, maybe a good choice on their part, but he didn't do that well during their their previous uh, uh, primaries. Um, I mean, he's he's I don't agree with his policies, but he's probably one one of the better people that they they could put up there, but they're not going to, of course. Yeah, we all know that UBI isn't actually ever going to fucking happen, but at least, like, everything else, he he sounds like one of the smarter politicians I've ever listened to, left or right. So that's a plus, at least from my perspective, if nothing else. Yeah, I just, I, I don't think that they have anyone that is going to be particularly palatable. Uh, for for Americans, especially especially after the Biden administration, I mean, I think that I think that a lot of Americans are just they collectively have a very very awful taste in their mouth, um, a taste that almost probably resembles that of um, uh, shit in in the pants. So uh, yeah, yeah, I uh, I just I, I don't I I. I I don't see the Democrats winning very much in the next few years. I think it's it's going to be really abysmal for them. Ah, schadenfreude. Don't worry, it was just all of them collectively licking my butthole for when I go to prison. I needed extra lubricant so I was able to pull the American people together. <laughs> Tupupan, yes. <laughs> um... So let's see. Yeah. So I, uh, uh, I, I, I support Trump, but I will take DeSantis. And uh, honestly, uh, I, I would, I would just be really, really, really happy if, if we didn't have another four years of Biden, because I'm not sure if our nation can can handle another four years of Biden. I think, I think that that uh, another four years of Biden. I think. Uh, China will just probably, I don't know, invade us and, and you're going to lose all your savings. So maybe let's just stay, stay away from even considering that, um, hellish possibility. Uh, okay. Let's say that if Biden does get another four years, like the worst possible outcome, let, let's say that somehow through a heavily fortified election, if you know what I mean, um, it's just Biden again in four more years of Biden. I think what it would actually do is it's going to sour so many Americans to the Democratic Party in such a profound way, assuming the whole shit show doesn't burn to the fucking ground in the meantime, that 
we're probably going to see Republicans running for the next 16 years just because of how bad fucking Biden was. I, uh, here, here's the thing. I, of course, I am personally against, um, any and all instances of political violence. However, if, if Biden actually got, got elected again, um, and, you know, through, through these, uh, fort, fort, fortification processes, uh, I, I think, I, I think that that would that would legitimately be be the the straw that broke the camel's back that would lead to a civil war. I just I don't see that ending peacefully. I really really don't. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, and I I want to avoid that kind of thing. So you know, uh, there's that. Well, I suppose balkanization at, at this point, balkanization would actually be a fucking plus. Ah, uh, yes, the uh, the peaceful divorce. Well, it's not going to be a peaceful divorce because the president of the first civil war basically says, okay, secession means war. So war is going to happen, but consider like the U.S. military filled with totally equal and competent LGBTQ plus community members and women that are just as powerful as men to the point where they don't need no men. Um, consider that military against the Oklahoma National Guard filled with frickin' bodybuilder teenagers covered in tattoos. Well, uh, the former would clearly win because diversity is our strength. And as long as they're maximizing their diversity, I mean, that's basically unlimited strength. Everyone knows that. Well, uh, exactly. So, uh, yeah, let Biden run again. Like, you have nothing to worry about. You will totally be able to crush any and all insurrection. So, straight ahead... With the progressive ship. <laughs> yes. Your your diversity shall not be defeated. Um. Exactly. You will win. Just believe. Just believe in the heart of the cards, you I'll tell you what, nah, dude. All the uh all the all the rainbow hair dye, you know, that's that's what gives them their, their, their power levels. It's like uh it's like they go super saiyan with that shit, you know? Yeah, I hear it's over nine thousand. Yeah, 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 I believe it is. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's, there's that. Uh, let's, let's just, let's just, uh, let's get out there. Let's vote. Let's, let's give it our damnedest. And, uh, uh, yeah, I think everything will, will go well. Uh, hopefully. Um, so in, in very, uh, in a very brief piece of news, it appears as though, uh, Brian Stelter, uh, may, uh, be uh, canned from CNN. Um, let's all uh, you know. It's it's not certain if this is going to happen, but if if it if it does, I mean, my God, uh, extremely tragic. Uh, of course, here at the Promethean Tides podcast, uh, we are a big fan of Brian Stelter. You know, we we kind of were were raised by him, by his deep teachings, by um, all the phenomenal insights that he he has provided. Uh, you know, just a, a deep, a deep inspiration for, for, for Americans that want to better understand politics. And it would just be really, really unfortunate if, um, CNN, um, just, uh, tossed him into the fucking alleyway, uh, because, you know, he would probably never be able to be employed anywhere again, because, um, you know, some people perceive him as being a gigantic fucking laughingstock, you know, but, but not, not here. We love the man. 
You know what? I think Brian Stelter, if the unfortunate event of his firing were to take place, as much as we don't want that to happen, um, I think he could very easily start a politics-slash-news talking head YouTube show, not too dissimilar from this one, sort of the way Chris Hansen did, if you remember him. And I'm sure that Brian Stelter would totally fit in with skateboard over his shoulder hello fellow youtubers and he would be welcomed among uh, the youtube community and i guarantee you that keemstar would never end up doing a drama alert video about him ever <laughs> just imagining that that impossible scenario um you know what if he i uh, i think that i think that if if brian stelter um, does get fired from CNN. I I just want to tell him that he he has a place here on this podcast, one hundred percent. He he can join up. He can be the the third uh, co-host, and 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 he can be be on here uh, anytime that he wants. I Brian Stelter, you're welcome. Um, this may be uh, one of the, one of the better positions that you can get. Um, so you know, really really think on that, buddy. Yeah, I will have to caution you though. If you're going to get into actual freaking debates with people like us, you're going to have to do a bit more reading than just news briefs because we don't deal in two minute sound bites and clips we have like hour long grueling knockdown drag out debates that will put you through the paces and uh, baptize you in fire uh, I mean you know um, I think I think you could probably use the exercise <laughs> but so well that'll uh, be perfect practice for him starting his own totally non-drama filled YouTube channel that never fucks anyone over or falsely uses copyright strikes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, certainly. Um so uh I guess the the reason why this is kind of interesting is because it appears as though CNN is trying to do I guess sort of a pivot away from being um MSN MSNBC uh, point two or or 2.0 like they're, they're I think that maybe they're trying to go more back towards the center and and try to appeal to both sides I I can understand the the strategy I just I wonder if it's going to work because I think that at this point um uh maybe the 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 higher-ups at CNN the, the executives they may not understand just how little credibility they have with um, about about half of all Americans. Uh, these are, by the way, the same executives and, and higher ups that thought that the CNN Plus streaming uh, app would would be just a, a a huge success, and and they and they invested like like multiple uh, like like a billion dollars in it or something. Um, well, you see, that was all the fault of evil alt-right Nazis that collectivized against the totally true news bastion that is CNN that's never been fake news ever. And uh, they were able to, through collective Third Reichish actions, squish the what would have otherwise been a prosperous news app service. Right, yeah, I just... I I don't I I think that CNN can try to pivot to being more fair and balanced, but I think there's there's about a snowball's chance in hell of that actually working out. Uh, they've lost their credibility. 
I think that at this point they really should like from a from a purely business strategy perspective I think I think that they should double down and just uh just stick with the left. Honestly, at this point that's what I would do. Uh, I think that they're too far gone. They're not going to be able to bring it back. I think that at this point they put all their eggs in the basket of the left and they made their bed they have to lie on it. Uh they trying trying to switch beds or have, you know, one one foot in 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 each bed. It's just it's not uh, something that they're that they're I think they're going to be able to do. But uh, you know what? Uh, uh, good for them for trying. You know, at least they're going to uh, attempt it. I guess. Valiant effort, I suppose. You know, one thing that I don't know if you brought this up. You remember that? Uh, you could probably look this up real quick. Biden recently signed a. Uh, this had like bipartisan support, so. It was a bill to provide more security to the families of Supreme Court justices. If you remember that in the news recently. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to look it up. I remember Sticks Hexenhammer was talking about it, so I probably have a similar take to his, that this is kind of an admission, a, a very profound admission of defeat by the Biden administration. To where, and the whole leftist media apparatus, apparatus in general, that the Supreme Court, not only the justices themselves, which do already have like, and their freaking like extended family members, are being threatened with violence. And three guesses as to who's mostly doing that. I'll I'll let you think about it while Jeopardy music plays in the background. But anyway, um, yeah, it, it's a bunch of people that basically think that the Supreme Court is an apparatus of the fucking Fourth Reich, and that Hitler's Germany is returning to America like U.S. style now with hamburgers and hot dogs and French fries, I guess. And I wonder who could have put that idea in all of these people's heads to where there are like roving bands of fucking maniacs trying to commit violence against the, the families of Supreme Court justices in an attempt to fucking blackmail them. Hmm. I wonder who is responsible for this. Um, so I think that, uh, as, as for most things, whenever... Uh, whenever there's someone to blame for an issue, I just, I say, you know, it's probably the Nazbols, you know? Um, those sneaky, sneaky Nazbols. Well, I imagine hammer and sickle iconography is probably present somewhere if you look hard enough. Uh, well, no, it's, it's the combination, really, of, of the swastika and the hammer and sickle and blending that into one perfect union that um it's the nazbols we all love the nazbols mm, i find it hard to believe that anything adjacent to national socialism would be like trying to intimidate through violence a supreme court that is potentially on the precipice of overturning something like roe v wade I don't know if a lot of Nazis are like uh, pro-abortion. That you know, they're usually very, very pro-life, pathologically so. Some might argue, but a very specific kind of life, if you know what I mean. 
Well, no, no. I mean, the uh, these are Nazbols. You know, they're 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 both they're like Nazi communists, right? Um, I don't think that any of them actually exist, at least here in America. But they're a very interesting, uh, uh, I guess, uh, ideological framework. Uh, fucking Nazbols. Uh, just absolutely, just all of the all the best parts of communism and all the best parts of Nazism. You just put them all into one ideology, and you say, "Fuck yeah." I want to I want to I want to do all the genocide. <laughs> you know why I don't think they actually exist in America? It's for a very particular reason. It's because if we're being entirely honest, like most of the normie politically active populace of America are for the most part um not best informed, to put it as mildly as possible, and I think attempting to enter into this rarefied domain of like a potential third option that's not this eternally dualistic tribalism would probably give them all headaches to the degree where they would just be like, fuck it, I'm, I'm going with whoever gives me the most free shit or whoever like has the best rhetoric against like leftist insanity. And, like, trying to marry these complex ideologies isn't necessarily within the purview of the common American, in my opinion. <laughs> and, uh, Breaker, I'm, I'm sure that, I'm sure that when you, when you said third position, you, you did not mean, um, uh, uh, third, um... Yeah, you see, there's another problem. Like, trust me, most of the people listening to this won't know what the fuck that is anyway. <laughs> uh... Because there is there is the the third positionalism, um, which uh, I in case anyone does know what that is, um, I I am not a big fan of the third position position um, uh, uh, ideas. I just not not a huge fan. Breaker, I don't based on what I know about you. I I doubt that you are either. I'm kind of like trans political at this point, you know, under under my meta modern paradigm, I the only thing remotely resembling a real politique that I could possibly like legitimately endorse outside of pragmatic bounds of where I am at this particular juncture in history is probably sub like I said before the funniest fucking candidate. I'm just voting for the fucking memes. Fuck it. My actual political system is so fucking batshit insane. That I probably can't talk about it on YouTube. Um, right, right, okay. Uh, I guess that you know it's. Uh, I remember I I uh, we were talking about this off air, but it's <clears throat> it's a little bit like let's say that politics is a bonfire, right? And uh, if you're if you're standing in the fire or or really really close to the fire then uh, it's tough to tell just how big or hot the actual fire is. Because um, you're just, you're immersed in it all the time. And you're always fighting and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and if you're, like, 30 yards away from the fire, uh, and you're just in the middle of the woods, then it's also going to be difficult for you to tell how big or hot the bonfire is. But <clears throat> uh, maybe there is some benefits in... Just being a comfortable distance from the bonfire, where you can actually kind of tell how big it is and how warm it is, and it's it's warming you up, but you're not being burned, and you're not 
being frozen. Um, and so, you know, maybe, uh, you know, uh, there's like, uh, it's, it's like, it's like, uh, uh, maybe if, if you're really intelligent, but not very wise, you want to jump into the fire and just have the constant fight. Uh, and if you're not very intelligent and not very wise, maybe you just want to fucking sit out in the middle of the woods and hit your head against a tree. But if you're if you're just focused more on, you know, just general wisdom, maybe the, the wise thing to do is to just kind of sit just in the warm area of the fire. And then you can look at the fire from like a uh, from like a, a more a more distant perspective. And you can tell just how large it's getting and how hot it's getting in general. And so maybe actually paying and this is a metaphor to basically say, uh, if you pay too much attention to politics, then you you kind of lose sight of like the larger picture of what's happening. Uh, so maybe you know you actually you just shouldn't pay that much attention to it. Maybe you shouldn't fucking live and breathe it every single day because uh, eh, fuck it, who 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 needs that? You know, um, it, the wiser position might be to actually just you know occasionally check in on it, uh, kind of like uh, you know your stocks. Like you you, you, know, you wouldn't want to fucking check your uh, your 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 stocks every single day that that'll drive you crazy. Yeah, people that live by checking stocks every single day, which is possible, they're usually like freaking insomniatic tweakers that spend their whole lives day trading, and they're nervous freaking wrecks. Even though some of them might technically be millionaires. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I mean maybe some people, you know, I. Uh... Uh, I've been I've 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 been uh, uh, doing uh, my my own you know trading in in, in a Robinhood account since uh, uh, I guess it would have been 2015 um, is when I first started investing and uh, uh, there have been times where I'm on it every single day and there have been times where where I just kind of uh, don't look at it for like you know a week at a time. And, uh, you know what? I've tended to do better when I just don't look at it that often, you know? When I just, I don't notice, like, oh, shit, I'm down, you know, $500 today. Because, you know what? In two days, I might be right back up. So, uh, yeah, maybe, at least for me, I'd, I'd actually try not to check it that often. Especially right now with our, um, with our, with our Biden economy. I mean, my God, every time I check my stocks, I just, I just get depressed and, uh, I, I imagine that if I, I checked it too much, I might jump off a fucking building. So, uh, you know, uh, thanks, 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 oh, Biden. I can say, though, my particular meta-modern perspective on politics is I want the politics that not necessarily I can most easily make fun of, but I want a type of politics that I can make fun of, and my jokes don't turn into prophecies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the the that's the issue with the Democrats. Then uh, you you have the capability to become a little bit too prophetic. Yeah, South Park is now just fucking reality TV. It's just like, oh, what, what's what's the news going to be tomorrow? Well, let's see the latest episode of South Park. It's probably going to be something along those lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, that's actually that's been like a that's a... not supposed to happen. Like South Park has always critiqued extremism, and 
when South Park starts to become prophetic, you know politics in some way, shape, or form. Now, this could either be left or right, but these days it's the fucking left. Something has gone horribly wrong, and someone has gone batshit crazy, and they've turned into a living caricature. <laughs> God, yeah, that is uh, that is the truth. Um, it's uh, it's it's like that. It's that meme where uh, it's. It's it's incredibly difficult nowadays to tell a uh, a satirical article about the left uh, from just a regular article that is published by the left. Like, yeah. Um, I'll tell you one thing. I remember this, and then we can move on. I remember this. This is the only like anti-Trump meme that I thought was actually funny. I don't know if it was a left-wing person or a right-wing or a centrist who made this meme. It didn't seem very lefty because it was an actual good meme. And it was, like, really early oh, into Trump's presidency could around not 2017. Have been. It can't be the left if it was a good meme. Not possible. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm highly dubious if it was the left. It was probably at least a centrist. But the, all this meme was was just a, a plain background, like one of those old classic memes with the multicolor backgrounds, and it was just impact text that said Trump in capital letters at the top, and then underneath in parentheses it said what he meant was dot dot dot. Uh, yes, I, I understand what the meme is trying to convey. Yeah, that now it's saying a lot that that's the funniest anti-Trump meme that I can remember. <laughs> well, it's just it's just kind of um I think that it's 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 a little bit difficult to meme against the 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 court jester. Uh that is to say, I I I think that kind of it's it's the the Republicans have kind of become the 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 court at least well not not like not like the the Republican politicians some of them but uh, uh, but the the culture of the the conservatives and the Republicans here in America has become kind of like the court jester just constantly poke, poking and prodding the king and making fun of him. Um, and that is not to say that, that the role of the court jester is not, uh, incredibly important because it is, uh, it's, it's, it's a fundamental role, I think in, uh, in our, in our Western civilization. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's far easier to meme against the king than it is to meme against the court jester because the court jester is, he's, he's jovial and he's just joking around and it's. It's just it's 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 more difficult to attack uh, in general. I, I remember the same thing during the Bush administration. Um, the, uh, the the king uh, was at that point. It was it was the conservatives uh, trying to start uh, weird foreign wars in uh, in oil rich sand nations, and uh, it was actually the lefties that were playing the role of the court jester. And um, uh, yeah, it was it was kind of kind of the the same same concept back then. Uh God. You and know, they got banned from Facebook for 9-11 trutherism. Well, 9-11 trutherism was mostly like a 
disaffected libertarian and right-wing type of thing. But then you had like actual leftist anti-war critics and uh, the standard lefty anti-right-wing critiques. And even they would get deleted from Facebook. No one forget that Facebook was in bed with the fucking Bush administration and they were censoring truther memes and even lefty criticisms and even anti-religious criticisms were being censored on Facebook in those Bush administration days. Yeah, you know, as a uh, as a as 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 a libertarian type myself, not just in in my politics, but in in I think just my kind of general uh, personality uh, characteristic. Um, I think that I I just I kind of am always inclined to be on on the side of the of the court jester in in these sort of situations. So. Uh, I'll tell you what, if, uh, if the Republicans do end up winning big, but then they become, uh, like the Democrats are now, or like the Bush administration was, um, uh, 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 a few decades ago, uh, then I'll, I'll have to shift again. I mean, God damn it, I don't want to, but, uh, you know, if for whatever reason the Republicans start going up their own ass, uh, I'll, I, I will, I will switch and I'll say... Uh, all right, I guess I gotta fucking join up with the lefties now, because, um, I just don't like authoritarian assholes. You know what? I'm probably more pessimistic than you are from that particular angle. Um, from my perspective, there is, like, an irreconcilable wound upon my political soul from all of this insane bullshit I've been seeing the left do for half of my life now. Like, since... 2014-15, I've become slowly disenchanted with the left, and now they're just batshit fucking insane. So, now that I've seen the worst that they can be, even if this ship somehow miraculously turns around and they're just less insane, still left-wing, but less insane, I'm going to remember what these people fucking acted like, and I'm never going to trust them again in my lifetime, more than likely. And I'm probably not alone in this sentiment. Well, you know, I was, uh, bo both you and myself were, uh, individuals who lived through the Bush administration and saw the insanity of that, and I thought that I would never trust the Republicans again. And I didn't until the Republicans, uh, underwent, uh, the Trump revolution, and, uh, now I'm like, fuck yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's go these policies. Um, so, I think that there is a possibility in the future... Uh, I don't know how likely it is. I'm just saying there is a possibility that the Republicans once again go full-blown Bush administration for whatever goddamn reason, if that were to happen, uh, and then the Democrats were to have their revolution of some sort of populist that wasn't a commie, um, I, I, might, I might have to switch over. So, uh, And I don't think that I'm the only American who feels that way either. Uh, I, I've, I've talked to uh, actually quite a few people on Discord who... Uh, uh, kind of share that sentiment. Uh, there, so basically, that is to say, um, the the right, if if they if if they actually want to maintain power and 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 like do what they're doing, and be like I don't know, kind of like the good guys, just don't become corrupt. Don't become part of the 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 fucking machine uh, that, that that is the the institution and the establishment. Um, because the, the moment that you start to become corrupt, like the Democrats did, uh, 
post-Bush uh, era, then um, people will also start to leave you. This, I, I think that this, this is just, this is what might happen. And so that's just, just a small suggestion. Uh, I am with the, de I, I am with the Republicans for as long as they make sense. Uh, yes. Uh... This gets into a bit more of a complicated issue, but I would prefer, like, honest absolutism over, like, clandestine tyranny. Um, I guess, yeah, between the two, yeah, I would, I would probably agree. Like, just someone that says, like, yes, I'm better than you, I run this shit fuck you do what i say rather than like no you're, you're totally free not to pay your taxes but you know people with guns will eventually show up right yeah i i, I guess that uh you know maybe maybe it is the uh the internet and the dawn of social media and the social media generation but i think that people uh they They've become much more interested in honesty, and they've become much more able to smell bullshit. And uh, maybe maybe this is just like a, a really good step for America. You know, I think that uh, social media probably caused a lot of the uh, political issues that we're having right now. So, for instance, the, uh, you know, what... What does social media do? It forces you to virtue signal. What are the Democrats and and the the the, the whole like lefty ideology? It's it's basically a series of, of virtue signals that, that don't make intellectual sense, but they, uh, they they're I guess they they make you part of the in crowd. So like that is a symptom of the social media uh, bullshit, uh, the the fucking uh, gray goo monster that is Twitter. Uh, but at the same time, you know. Um, uh, there's, there, there's, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's pluses and minuses to everything. So, uh, I mean, maybe, maybe ultimately, uh, this, this whole social media thing in the long run will end up being a benefit because I mean, for instance, uh, uh, Americans also, uh, are, are now, uh, better equipped and more able to be equipped with knowledge about just how, fucking corrupt and and demonic uh the federal government uh, can be uh back when their only news source was just the news the nightly news they probably uh weren't as keyed into some of these things and i mean hell it's it, you know it's 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 a good thing that, that people are, are have kind of woken up you know i'm i'm uh, personally speaking i'm i'm one of these people you know i was a i was a socialist uh, up until i was like a, a 20 or something so um yeah, you know. Well, if anyone remembers our episode about the uh, the AI chatbots from a few days ago, this particular window of the Internet's life is going to be very short-lived because what's coming down the pipe is a future, especially in an online context where literally nothing will be true, 
Like, you could fabricate speeches by world leaders. You could actually have convincing tapes of Donald Trump getting pissed on by Russian hookers in someone's fucking bedroom. And it would look like a real thing. Like, better CGI than Carrie Fisher and Polar Express level shit. And this will just become believable. So, everything you look at, there will be two kinds of people. There will be sheep and fucking total pessimists that don't trust anything ever. Uh, you know what? I, I think that, I think that we are definitely already on that road because, uh, I think that right now you have the people who trust the establishment and then you have the conspiracy theorists. So, uh, I guess that you have your believers and you have your, your skeptics, uh, who, uh, might also be known as your, um, her met your your her hermeneutics of suspicion that thing yeah that thing i guess it's time to segue into the second part of the show given that <laughs> there you go and it's also fortunate that we've been having this conversation since december 31st of 1969 again uh this that is that a white 2k reference actually yes um this is kind of like tangentially unrelated, but just briefly. Um, the Basically, the integer Unix time code that Discord uses, if you leave a call, then re-enter a call, it will stack overflow and return to the lowest integer, which is December 31st, 1969, because it basically round-robins. Okay. Which, you know, this is still working, so it's kind of a trivial thing. It's got the wrong time on it. Who cares? But there are certain computer infrastructures that just recently in the video game world, like certain people were buying these like limited time content, like you have to be within this certain window to buy this content. And because it showed them as purchasing it in the 1970s it was like they would buy a subscription that it would like immediately expire because it's like you've been subscribed for over 40 years that's pretty good yeah you see how that's a problem with that if you pay for something it's like oh you haven't used this this is like a two-year subscription and you subscribed for 40 years so fuck you but you just paid for it well, but what if what if you pay for two years of the subscription, but then you get it for 40 years? Now that is a deal. Yeah, like they'd let you get away with that. <laughs> but anyway, segueing into the second part of the show, yeah. I was watching a Rebel Wisdom video with uh, Jonathan Peugeot and John Verveke, I think his name is. I'm horrible with names, so... I know there's a guy that watches this that will correct me in the comments. You know who you are, but, uh, and you've probably, yes, you've probably made it this far because you have nothing better to do. But anyway, this is kind of one of those, uh, okay, first hermeneutics is kind of a fancy philosophical term for worldview, just in case anyone is confused. So this is kind of a, some might argue and criticize, not entirely unfairly, like this is the classic there are two types of people in the world argument type of thing that we're about to engage in. But just keep in mind, it's kind of like uh, context dependent in the things we'll be talking about during this. I like to think that there are two different types of people in the world. You got your Hermans and you got your Joes. 
I'm more of a Joe kind of guy, you know? Especially Joe Biden. Like, he's the greatest president we've ever had. Let's go. Yeah, fuck Herman Cain. Joe Biden. Let's go, Brandon. Team Brandon for the win. LGBT. Let's go, Team Brandon. <laughs> uh, wait, let's LGT LGTB. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. And as we all know, like, trans people are quickly moving up the hierarchy, so, uh... Oh, yeah, yeah, the, uh, the first, um, the first, uh, four-star general, um, was a woman with a penis. Let's go. Well, I mean, you say woman, but you gotta be very careful. It's like, we, we, we here at the Promethean Tides podcast will not be undertaking the argument philosophical chore of attempting to define woman suffice to say that as far as the term woman goes we both agree that trans women are women yes we don't know what it is but we're goddamn certain that trans women are that exactly now that that's out of the way okay basically the suspicious worldview versus the worldview concerned more with beauty so we got suspicion and beauty. What are the differences between these two things? Well, the hermeneutics of suspicion has mostly to do with a type of cynical, ironic, and highly skeptical worldview. Now, this isn't constrained any type of political or religious perspective per se. This is kind of like a unilateral thing that cuts through the human condition at a very fundamental level. Like, basically, any time you see, like, cultural criticism, any type of critical analysis, especially from Marxist, the very foundations of Marxism as philosophy and economic model itself are based upon suspicion. Like, all workers are being exploited all the time. There is no honest capitalist. There is only workers being exploited. Seize the means of production. And that's how a communist would interpret that. Any thoughts so far? Did I die? Uh, uh, I so, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no, sorry. I was, I was pressing the wrong button. Um, I no, my my thoughts are that uh, we here at the Promethean Tides podcast, uh, we we just love uh, postmodernism. Of course, uh, all of our philosophies are fundamentally based off of postmodernism. We just fucking love that shit. That. Well, you know what? Of, I kind of, of transcended. Shit. Yeah, I kind of. Me personally, I don't think General Chief is along with a with me on this particular ride. This is a a long way coming down the pipe, if ever. Um, libertarianism doesn't necessarily help in this, but uh, I've kind of transcended postmodernism into metamodernism because I look around at like usually when you hear postmodernism these days, it's kind of used in mostly a pejorative sense. And anyone self-proclaiming themselves as postmodern is usually highly moralistic when you stop and think about it. Like, I don't see a lot of like cultural, political relativism from the particular camp these days that's most likely to wear the label of postmodernist unironically, in case you've never noticed. Um, well, I think that I think that there are a lot of postmodernists. They just don't want to call themselves that. 
The funny thing is, I never really see or hear from a right-wing postmodernist. Oh, they don't exist. I, 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 fuck. That's almost like a, like an oxymoron. Like I think it's you pretty much only get left-wing uh, postmodernists. I think that might have something to do with the enamorment of capitalism as an economic model, with a lot of the vast majority of the right wing, at least in America, like Europe, it's kind of like really fucky and messed up compared to an American's perspective, as a lot of things are. So European people listening to this will probably be like, oh, stupid American. But anyway, um, don't worry. Everyone is allowed to make fun of the French. One, they're white, and two, the rest of Europe kind of hates them. So anyway. Um, I want to I point out that that goes doubly for Germans. Oh, you, you do not like the Germans. Why? We, we just want to make sure you have the proper Candlewick link. Yeah. Yeah, they look. They they're just they're really good at engineering, and they just what they realized is that not only can they engineer uh, cars, they can also engineer your life. Uh, brilliant people. Yeah, I think it like the idea of capitalism is kind of like deeply ensconced firmly within a modernistic perspective of the world, and. Any attempts to move that forward or progress it in any way have mostly been met with hostility from the more ardent capitalists. Like Even like full libertarians that probably wouldn't agree with a lot of the modern American right wing on a great many things would probably still hang on to the sacred cow of capitalism until their dying breath. Because there's this kind of conflation with it's like, it's more in tune with nature, as you yourself have argued many times. Uh, well, it's 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 the freedom of human beings to uh, trade and develop uh, an ecosystem, uh, and an ecosystem is is a it's a it's it's a natural uh, a merchant property that, that that you 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 would expect. It's it. I mean, uh. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, you know what, and I, I'm not, you know, capitalism, I think uh, that was kind of something, uh, it, it's a term that was kind of invented by by the Marxists in the first place. Um, you know, I, I'm not even sure that capitalism is, is the correct word that we should be using. I think it's just uh, uh, the, the really uh, hu hu uh, human freedom to trade, uh, right? Like, I mean, let's, let's, let's just say it in terms of those words. The, the, the freedom of human beings to trade with other human beings. What the fuck is wrong with that? If we want to be really clear-cut about it, it's probably... It's more like a tripole than a dipole. The tripole of free trade, which would be the, the individual's libertarian stance. The pole of the triangle, which is, like, collectivized, like, communal living... And then the authoritarian pole, which is usually manifest in either state communism or mercantilism in, like, the monarchies of old, like backed up by either some type of divine mandate or some type of ever-progressing social man hypothesis that comes from the quote-unquote communist. Because in real quote-unquote communism, there is no state, but we know how that really works in reality. <laughs> Well, uh, so I actually I, I do want to point this out. Uh, so uh, I I am I am very much a libertarian. However, 
I do, I, I do believe that uh, there, there is a justifiable existence for a nation state. And as such, I am not one of these international libertarians that believe in just free trade for just across the board. Uh, no, I, I think that especially in the system that we currently live in, where there are other, are other nations that are not practicing um, free trade or, or, or libertarian uh, pra uh, ideals, I think that we have to stick to national libertarianism. Uh, just, we have, we have free trade within our country, but it's totally chill to put up tariffs and boundaries when it comes to trade with other countries, because... Uh, you know what? Other countries, uh, they don't necessarily have the interests of American citizens at heart. So, uh, fuck that shit. Uh, maximum, uh, economic libertarian inside of America, but we don't do that with other countries. That is my perspective. Sort of a tangent, but that's what I believe. Just want to point that out. And this kind of goes into the hermeneutics of suspicion, which I think weirdly enough, is mostly engaged with by the right nowadays, as strange as this may sound, because especially the American right, you notice that most like right-wing rhetoric and talking points in America have, have something to do with this thing that the left is doing is bad. I either want to stop entirely impede to the best of my ability or potentially reverse that thing into its diametric opposite because left bad. But it's contingent on the left doing something in the first place that is bad that the right then reacts to. Uh, yeah, I, I will agree with you that uh, in general, in American politics, it does seem as though the left does something stupid and then the right reacts um it's not really i don't i don't i don't think it's the really the best strategy for the republicans but that that does seem to be the general strategy yeah the hermeneutics of suspicion as exercised by the left wing i would argue is mostly superficial in nature now there might be certain people that could find a way to argue against this and bring up a lot of good points like, well, they're social deconstructivists, they're cultural critics, all they they have nothing but suspicion for the entirety of the culture. Like everything is misogynistic, everything is racist, everything is homophobic, and you have to point it all out in the immortal and wise words of Anita Sarkeesian. <laughs> a brilliant woman. We we love her. Exactly. But I would argue that that's only superficial in nature and it's kind of a know your enemy strategy where if you think you, you are against a an evil idealistic enemy like the way the left mostly thinks about the right and this is not just a glib like thing I say without consideration. I remember my entire life every time I would watch like left wing political satire. From Saturday Night Live to The Colbert to The uh, Daily Show with Jon Stewart to Bill Maher, I always got this sensation that there was this kind of dehumanizing undertone to all of the... Now, some of the jokes are like admittedly funny. Like when Bush said a stupid thing, it's like, yeah, Bush did say the stupid thing. He was recorded saying the stupid thing. We can laugh at Bush. Haha, -ha, Bush is a dumb hick, redneck, hillbilly, whatever. He said a stupid thing on national TV. Ha ha ha, isn't he funny? But 
I think that there was a lot of smoke screening going on there because the more you listen to these people, because I listened to these people for a long time, I'm sure you grew up with similar political commentators to me. The uh, the Daily Show with John Stewart. Uh, yeah, I, I, I grew up with that shit. Yeah, absolutely. There was always this pernicious undertone of dehumanization that they would levy against anyone to the right politically. And what do I mean by that? It's like, well, there was never this granting of benefit of the doubt, and there was never any principle of charity most of the time I noticed. It was like, right-wingers literally want you to suffer and are evil. Like, conservative values means they want to kill you, basically, or make you suffer as much as possible, and we are your only hope for a future. So I, uh, it's interesting that you point that up because I, I remember, because uh, uh, I was, I was on the left up until uh, I think. Well, I'm not sure how old was I exactly. I would have been, I think I was. I had just graduated college. It was soon after I graduated college, so it would have been like maybe 2004, uh, 2000, 2015, maybe 2014, 2015, um, and. Uh, think yeah so um i uh uh i remember i was like shit the the uh the right seems to be making some good points like i was on youtube and i think that i i one, one of one of the guys i was listening to was uh oddly enough uh uh like like chris raygun uh and i was like i was listening to something that he had to say and i was like oh well shit that kind of makes sense and, uh, I, but I remember thinking, I was like, oh, but the right-wingers, they're, but they're bad, and I don't want to be bad. Because I had been raised on this fucking left-wing, uh, uh, indoctrination fucking policy my entire life. I mean, my, my parents were lefties, uh, my school, uh, my education was, was left-leaning, um, both in, uh, public school and when I went to, to, to university, like, the, the entire system had been left wing. It had been this thing that I had known. And because I was young and stupid and didn't know any better, I was like, oh, I mean, the right's making sense, but surely they're evil. And uh, it, it took me like probably uh, at least a, a month to, uh, uh, you know, reconcile that. I mean, fucking hell. I think the pivotal ice pick moment for me that kind of shattered the illusion of the left are just penultimately good, was the first time I heard, I think it was Mark Levin on AM radio, and they had this political satire of Obama. And up to this point, I had never heard in my entire life a political satire of the left that was actually funny. Well, it, it, it used to be... This was the case. This used to be the case. It used to be the case that um, the right couldn't meme, and it was actually the left that could, could meme much stronger. That used to be the case. Uh, it's been a while now since that was the case, but Breaker, you remember, that, that was the case at one point. Yeah, it was usually the right was some type of stodgy old suit and tie, stuffy, fuddy-duddy that didn't get the kids' humor and didn't meme, and everything was like, dead serious, oh, the nation is going to burn, and you're all going to hell if you follow the left! <laughs> Lots of Bible thumping. Yeah, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, like, the... the 
that's kind of what got me in with the fedora crowd but this is kind of going on a digression away from the initial point that i was trying to make but i think most of this kind of reciprocally feeds into it in a way okay yeah yeah i Basically, your enemy is someone who deserves nothing but suspicion, scorn, and derision because they are utterly evil with no redeeming qualities. Now, some left-wing people, like, people like Jay Leno and Conan O'Brien, when they made the political jokes, I didn't really get that much of a sense of, like, that scathing, acidic, biting nature of, like, the right or just literally inhuman. Because they didn't get really hyper-political. That, that was more of like the John Stewart and Stephen Colbert domain to get like really political and mudslinging about it. Um, just a, as, as, as a, uh, just to, to further derail this, I guess, I don't mean to, but uh, uh, on the, if, if anyone subscribed to the Apple TV uh, uh, app or whatever, um, uh, John Stewart recently started a new show called uh, The Problem with John Stewart. Uh, I watched three episodes of it, um, thinking that maybe it would get better because I, I, you know, I kind of remember John Stewart as being like, you know, kind of a, a decent, decent guy who was just trying to, you know, poke poke fun at the uh, the people in power. Um, holy shit, is that show fucking awful? Uh, and I'm pretty sure that the ratings for it are abysmal, although I don't know if Apple actually releases that data, but from, I guess, it, it seems like not very many people are watching that shit. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, sorry, sorry to keep derailing. Go ahead, Breaker. That, that kind of reminds me of freaking Bill Nye's show where they tried to teach you about the spectrum of human sexuality through ice cream like a cartoon with an ice cream that was vanilla slash a stand-in for straightness and all these other flavors of ice cream would come along and it's like oh vanilla you only like vanilla you should try these other flavors and vanilla's like no i'm perfectly fine being vanilla and then basically it's really fucking insidious and disgusting when you think about it it's literally fucking what amounts to rape like taking this person, this is like a stand, this vanilla ice cream is a stand-in for heteronormativity. In case you didn't get the allegory, this complex fucking Bill Nye-ish allegory going on in this show, and the other flavors of ice cream basically conjole this ice cream into a pansexual orgy, <laughs> which is really disturbing when you think about it. It's yeah. literally fucking reverse conversion therapy. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I think I, I saw that episode. Also, I want to point out that uh, I don't think that that show is on the air anymore. I think it definitely got Thank canceled. Thank God. Uh, Jesus Christ, that was a fucking trash fire. <laughs> yeah, but when you think of all your enemies as just deserving of scorn or at, the, at best conversion to your way of thinking because you are the ultimately correct person, the right doesn't really do that as much. The right... If you remember, most of their critiques of the left have been like, they're just ignorant and unaware and they've gone astray and they're rebellious from the path. But if we can just get them back on the path, they'll be perfectly fine and we'll welcome them in and we won't hold it against them. And if they apologize with sincerity, we'll we'll take it for face value and say, okay, you fucked up in the past, but now you're, 
Now you're on our side. You notice that the left will never do that. If you apologize to the fucking left, they will just keep drilling the fucking ice pick into your chest until you succumb and die. Yeah, it's actually a... It's, I mean, as one would kind of suspect, it's it's very Christian of the right to just accept the apology and try to move on and make a friend. Whereas the left goes, oh shit, he apologized? Oh, he showed weakness. Let's make him apologize even more. <laughs> it's like toxic. that meme. It's like that meme of that streamer I sent you that's just like, I'm killing you! I'm killing you! <laughs> oh god, yeah, gee, that guy was a psycho. Fuck. <laughs> I think, in full disclosure, I think that was in the context of him playing a video game. I don't think it was like a political thing. But out of context, that just looks insane. Oh, oh, okay. If that was just a gamer, just a, you know, a gamer uh, that maybe uh, was using some gamer words. I mean, yeah, I guess that's, that's, uh, it makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a particular game where if you play a certain class, it's just like metagaming. And he's like, okay, we've got to kill the guy playing that class first because he's going to be the biggest pain in the ass for the rest of the game. Okay, yeah, because when you sent me that, I didn't know that was a gamer. I thought like he was <laughs> like he was like an Antifa guy, and he was like, my purpose, my purpose is just fucking march and fucking destroy the enemy. <laughs> now there are Antifa who actually do behave and think like that right but anyway try to try and put this back on the rails this all kind of comes together you sort of start to see like the right always had like something like even the libertarians with the nap like the full there's usually libertarians the non-aggression that, principle. Yeah, the thing yeah. that I, uh, as a libertarian, I don't really agree with. Yeah. Yeah, but at least they had something resembling a a primary metaphysic. Now, some might argue that that is sufficient. Some others might argue you need something like a more fleshed out religion or at least some type of wisdom tradition, something with a mythological component that's not explicitly intentional in that way to make those type uh, of moral claims and have them have any weight okay i'm i'm gonna i'm just gonna i'm gonna derail just briefly for a second because uh hey that's that's what we're fucking doing uh i i i think partially because what what you're discussing is is kind of like a uh it's something that has ties to a lot of different things um, yes it does so I just I want I want to put uh, I want to put this out there because uh, th this is this is also the second part of the show and I imagine that uh, m most people don't listen up to this point uh, but I do want to put this out there <clears throat> just for the sake of austerity um, I I am a strong strong libertarian uh, uh, it's not just my political beliefs it's also kind of just the person that I am I just I've never liked authority uh, I don't think that the NAP, the non-aggression principle, is uh, a, a thing a thing that makes that much sense. Um, so the non-aggression principle only works if like human beings are around to to deeply consider it and everyone just kind of agrees, yeah, we, we shouldn't be aggressive to one another. Uh, <clears throat> but we don't live in a in a platonic world filled with human ideals where we're just dealing with uh, just other humans all the time who are also considering these platonic ideals. Uh, 
I think that ultimately <clears throat> uh, we live even even when we build civilization, we live in a state of nature and we cannot escape nature because nature is is always there and it forever will be as long as there are, are humans around. Uh, so nature itself, uh, look at any ecosystem, look at the Darwinian process, look at natural selection. Uh, it does not seem to to give any shits at all about the non-aggression principle. Um, the existence of predation shows you that nature appears not to care about the non-aggression principle. So uh, trying to construct a, 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 a total uh, philosophy around this one principle that doesn't exist in nature uh, seems like uh, bullshit to me. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I am very much a libertarian, but I, I don't think that I get down with this, this weird concept of, of the NAP. I just, I think that there are probably better ways to try to conceptualize uh, similar ideas, uh, but I think that, that that particular idea is a weird one. Uh, and if there are any uh, and, and, and big believers in the NAP listening, um, uh, you are welcome to either leave a comment or uh, come on to the show and fucking hash it out with me. No problem. I will treat you fairly. I promise. Uh, anyway, yeah. with that said, go ahead, Breaker. I'll put one extra stone on your anti-NAP argument to say that biologically speaking your very body is a constant roaring furnace of aggression or you would die very quickly if it wasn't yeah yeah pretty much uh you have to go out and kill something to eat to to have food be it a plant or an animal you have to end something else's life in order to feed yourself that is how and your body that, that's just like you being an active agent and following your instincts to feed and breed and go into the world and compelled by nature to do those things from like a bottom-up way. I'm talking about something like that's part of it, but I'm talking about something even more deep-seated than that, like your very immune system killing all those pathogens. Like, I'm sure like the flu and the cold and whatever other pathogens want to live just as much as you do, but fuck them. Okay, well, actually, in that case... Um, when it comes to defense against uh, viruses and bacteria and other other pathogens, um, actually, that is the NAP because uh, they are trying to uh, invade your territory and you have a right to self-defense. So actually, ah. that that is very NAP. What is not NAP about the immune system is that uh, it, it also kills uh, your cancer cells. Now, the cancer cells aren't actually trying to kill you. They're just trying to live, man. That's it. Like, why is your immune system coming in and shutting them down? They're just trying to live. They're just trying to do their own thing. Like, what the fuck? I mean, they're part of you anyway. Like, what the uh, hell? Before this turns into a biology stream again, like it did last time <laughs> Let's this happened. Let's get back on um, track. Yeah. Okay. So, and all this, like, is only superficial, but it's kind of hard to see because they have an inverse relationship to metaphysics epistemology and axiology because in the hegelian dialectical form everything like before um rene descartes is where this actually this gear shifted technically but it kind of culminated with hegel it used to be in the pre-modern before cartesian dualism came on the scene that 
all of the mythologies you saw predominantly in the Western world, there are some Eastern mythologies that are more cyclical than this, and they're not as strict. But in the Western world, especially like with the Greeks, there was this notion of a, a past golden age where the world was in a much more harmonious and a state much closer to idealistic perfection than you currently find yourself in. Now, the timeline on this wasn't clearly drawn because this was mythological in origin. Like, the Athenian Greeks believed that Athens had simply always existed and was an eternal country. Like, their history had an explicitly mythological, not bounded in linear time aspect to it. Yeah, I thought that was sort of like I, I thought we just always well, existed. That's a surprise to me. Well, America has like an explicit intentionality where a group of people sit down and ratified a constitution of the country. A country like England doesn't have that. It's like more. Remember when we were talking in private about how the small towns in England are round and they seem to conform more to the golden ratio and they're like organic, like they grew out of the earth. But, and these are human phenomenon that were built by humans, these towns. But then you go to an American small town, and it's like this jagged little grid in the middle of this other or otherwise organic landscape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, uh, uh, the, the layout of an American city is much more engineered, planned, and mathematical, whereas the layout of a European city is... Uh, just emergent growth um and like i'm i'm thinking about it like when when did britain start i mean i don't know it goes back so long fucking a like if i if i didn't know better i would just say yeah it might have been around for forever who the fuck knows well like the modern concept of britain is kind of mixed with a bunch of like roman traditions and laws but they didn't really adopt, for the most part, the absolutist aspects of Rome. They, the ancient Saxons and the Anglo-Saxons kind of had a, a strangely almost libertarian poesis with the land and the other neighboring tribes. They didn't really live and organize themselves like the Romans did, like... The concept of kingdom and conquest and empire was like a Roman introduction, mostly. But this is like really fucking derailing, and I'm probably going to get pinged by a few history buffs that are like, ah, like you're ready for that fucking conversation. But anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, true. And, and just as one side point, I mean, um, the Anglo-Saxons are actually an example of a group of people in Europe um, that are uh, better than the Germans. Um, just want to point that out. Uh, continue. Well, like, Old England does have a very well-defined hermeneutics of beauty when you think about it, but we'll get into that. Um, so, the left, they seem to be, like, constantly tearing everything down and criticizing everything to the bones and deconstructing radically, uh, progressive postmodern deconstructivism. Uh. But there is, like, like, I've argued this before, they do have a type of goal in mind, but it's not derived from like golden age mythology and the mythology of an eternal city because they're the consummate critics of everything that came before. They're, they're critical of tradition as misogynistic, racist, homophobic, whatever, istenphobic you want to throw in there. So their golden 
perfection, their ideal world, exists only in a progressive future where they can complete German idealism and actualize the zenith of the Hegelian dialectic into reality and convert all people into full socialized humans. Like George Orwell's book, A Boot Stomping on a Human Head Forever. That's technically what they would need to do, but they don't say that part out loud. So there is a golden mythology, it's just not here yet. It's in the future, instead of in the golden past. Like, And a very good exemplar of this is Christianity. Like, Adam and Eve existed in a perfect garden with a perfect existence, and then they were tempted by the serpent and ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they fell from grace. That was like golden age, and then the fall, and then the bread and tooth and claw world we find ourselves in as a result of that fall. Where, whereas, um, I think that my perspective on this is that, uh, I guess, metaphorically speaking, Eden uh, was just nature itself, uh, which was never that idyllic or nice, but that was that was nature itself. I think that as as inhospitable and and awful as nature can be, uh, I think that that's probably one of the best places for nature. For, sorry, it's one of the best places for human beings to exist in. Whereas I think that when you have all of this human ideology and and human thinking and these 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 uh, structured uh, idea systems and 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 civilization, this is actually toxic for man. I think that this is actually really bad for man. And so I I see things as as the opposite. I think that the best thing that we could do is be hunter gatherers, and uh, everything that we've done after that has kind of just made shit worse for the average quality of life we have extended life we, we have made it so that people live longer but not better we've gone more for quantity over quality i've basically heard some petersonian thinkers and evolutionary psychologists say that basically you're kind of right that the garden of eden was just primitive hunter gatherers and if you if you pay attention to that story that literally the first technology was clothing. It was an explicit partition between the natural world, like your body providing fur and epidermis and whatever you need to survive in the environment without the need of external baubles and coverings. That was the very first technology. That was the first partition between nature into technocracy. I would imagine, and I don't hold me on this because I, I actually... I don't know. Uh, maybe there is an answer out there, and I just don't know it because I'm I'm dumb. But I would imagine that fire was the first technology, and clothing was the second. I could be wrong. It could be that clothing was the first, and fire was the second. But I would imagine that fire was first. I don't know though. That kind of makes me think because in order to get the clothing probably mostly animal hides. Now this is getting really technical, but if it's mostly animal hides, that, that would kind of depend on how long were humans eating cooked meat versus raw, freshly killed, bloody meat. 
I mean, uh, wouldn't it make sense to, like, you would have to take the hide off the animal, you would have to dry it. I imagine that fire would probably be a good way to dry a hide. Um, like, you don't put it directly over the fire, but, like, more above it, like, like higher up, so it's drying but not cooking. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, uh, I mean, I... Wait a minute, wait a minute. It makes sense because technically... The Old Testament God has a bunch of different elemental modes, and th this is getting really fucking theological now, but one of those modes is the mode of fire, like the god, the, the volcano god from the mountain that smites Sodom and Gomorrah. So literally, and the fire of the burning bush on the Mount Sinai when Moses went up the mountain. So in this particular allegory, I think fire is like the fire of God itself. <laughs> Okay, I can run with it. Because fire is kind of like this... If I keep going down this path, it's going to fucking derail even more. We need to, This is like a theological fucking thing. I'm going to have... I have to bring Parallax or some like religious person on here to talk about these things. Like, I don't Probably, know. Yeah. But anyway. Um, so, that's like... The hermeneutics of suspicion on the left is only superficial. Their hermeneutics of beauty is a beautiful progressive future where everyone fucking shares and everything is fucking free and you get to be an artist and work one day a week, if at all. Fully automated luxury gay space communism. Kind of like freaking Star Trek where like the sacred fire is like the engine of creation itself to deconstruct energy and reconstruct it into matter with technology. That's literally godly technology. Oh yeah, the the replicators. Yeah, yeah. Every time the every time Picard says Earl Grey tea, very hot. That's like abracadabra. I speak things into being. That is literally like in in Marxism, they liken themselves to fucking gods, like the fucking creators of God. God has yet to be, and they will give birth to it. That is that is a complete inversion of of what. Yeah, I, that's what I said. <laughs> I mean, uh, it is very clear, and I, I am not someone who believes in, in the Christian version of God, but uh, if it, it, like uh, nature itself, I've said this multiple times, but nature itself is something that is older, wiser, smarter, and far more powerful than we are. So if you can call nature a god, then uh, and, and humans are much smaller and dumber than nature is, uh, then clearly that made us and uh i don't think that like if nature hasn't made a god like a true like fucking marxian god yet then certainly humans won't that's that that seems to be just an inversion of everything that i know about reality that's insanity i think there's something to be said about the principle of curiosity in this because curiosity is kind of like the middle ground between hermeneutics of beauty and hermeneutics of suspicion because curiosity can either turn into wonder where it's kind of like that vulgar trespass of the intellect moment where if you ever look at a painting or a certain type of story where you knowing more about how this the rest of this story goes or where that road that winding mysterious road in the painting ends is kind of a like a vulgarity and a transgression upon the art. Like you, you technically don't want to know where that road ends or you don't want to see it's like happily ever after 
suffices for this fantasy fairy tale. You don't really want to know the days and lives of the marriage between the heroine and the hero. What happened afterward with their kids? Did one of them die of the plague? You don't really want to know that. You, you want to like rest at this moment of wonder, and like you're bewitched by the tale, the art itself. It, it speaks to you in a way. It's like technically, in that way. Because you have that thirst for wonder instilled within you by that story that ends in this ambiguous way, drives you onward. Like, several episodes ago, we talked about, do you tell your kids that Santa Claus is real or not? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 man, that was actually a while ago. Yeah, I remember that. And this is like, like something like a Santa Claus myth kind of does this, where you eventually learn that the... The Prince Charming and the, the Damsel in Distress kind of isn't how reality works. But something about that still speaks to you on a deeper level than any, like, intellectual fluff and veneer on sitting on top of that ever could. Now, the other side of curiosity is pessimism. That's where you get deeper to the hermeneutics of suspicion, where it's just like, I'm curious about all these things that were, wait a minute, it seems that everyone's full of shit and all the politics is going to hell and the world is fucking burning up. Fuck it, revolution now! Criticize everything, destroy it all! You want to know something? I I always hated the fucking and they lived happily ever after. Um, uh... Like, because you're a pessimist. <laughs> no, no, it, I'm. I don't think I'm a pessimist because I don't think I would be satisfied with. And then they all died. The end. Like that wouldn't be satisfying to me either. Um, it just it seems like an incomplete story. Like even like ever since when I was like a kid, like when I was like fucking five years old, and I watched uh, uh, uh like one of those Disney movies, like uh, uh Sleeping Beauty or whatever. And it just it, it ends with like, and then they lived happily ever after. Like. I was always like, fuck you, that doesn't seem like a complete story. Like, what, what do you, I want to, I want to know what happened after they lived happily ever after. Like, what, what occurred? Did, like, uh, did, did they have kids? Like, like, did, did the prince go on to become the king of some fucking country? Like, what, what the fuck, what do you mean they just lived happily ever after? What the fuck? I want to know more. Did well, there's, he, well. Did, did, did one of them fucking cheat on the other one? Like, I don't know. Well, it kind of goes into your, like, scientific curiosity, which is fundamentally the hermeneutics of suspicion. Remember when I said this isn't necessarily bounded in politics or religion or any type of specific work? This is like a deep underlying thread throughout the very lattice work of humanity itself that's even underneath religion. Like, your, like, worldly, technocratic, scientific curiosity is the hermeneutics of suspicion. Reality is something that your mere senses alone do not give you the complete picture of, so it must be further interrogated, stuck into this laboratory environment, poked with a pin, in this rarefied, unnatural, synthetic environment that you have contrived with very specific mathematical and technological conditions to get the exact time that that fucking cell touches that other cell. Okay, so I want to point out, number one, I'm not a technocrat. Number two, uh, although I do have a background in science, uh, I am not a scientismist. Um, I, in fact, I keep, I keep saying on these fucking podcasts that there are deep problems with science that has to be re resolved if we're going to uh, continue to have science be relevant. Uh, 
I I am I am not the uh, the stodgy scientist that you are making me out to be, Breaker. Well, yeah, there, there's something about you specifically where you kind of like all the freaking technocratic left-wing centric pinpricking of reality and this freaking cynicism of your sensory perceptions has kind of left a sour taste in your mouth specifically that you need something more transcendental to quench something not found in the pages of a excel spreadsheet or in some like chart recorder and data analysis computer program or it could be something as simple as um I am a biologist who also happens to be a a conservative libertarian, and I don't think that that many of those exist. Like I, I'm pretty sure I'm a goddamn unicorn. Like how many fucking biologists do you know that are are, are conservative libertarians? There's not many. By the way, all of them should be because they're studying nature. And what is nature? Well, it's it's mostly conservative libertarianism if you really want to fucking break it down if you want to anthropomorphize nature into a human political ideology if you really had to do that nature would essentially be um conservative libertarianism uh i have no idea why it is that most biologists are like fucking uh socialist uh something or other uh it makes no goddamn sense to me personally but i yeah just want to want to point that out we could probably have a lot of arguments about that in sp specific thing that you just said, but to try and keep this somewhat on the rails within something we can record and publish within a reasonable amount of time, um, let me think. When I say technocrat, it goes back to what I was talking about, the Hegelian worldview that you obviously don't have. Like, a technocratic modern-day... A modern-day technocrat informed by he a Hegelian dialectical materialism sincerely believes... Now, this this isn't them fucking with you or being pessimistic or cynical and being like, ha ha ha, it was all for myself gain and I was tricking you the entire time. Mwahaha, mustache-trolling villain. No, you, you've got to give them more benefit of the doubt in this specific regard. The Hegelian dialectical materialist technocrat believes that with science, they can construct a superior humanity than what nature could ever provide oh yeah that's uh that's uh if there is a devil that is the devil yeah and of course you would think so so for you from your perspective there's something very wrong and unnatural about <clears throat> that of course i mean it should be evident to anyone and that's where the hermeneutics of beauty comes in because you see like pure nature operating without any technological pinpricks applied to it as this mysterious, wondrous, beautiful thing that just works if you leave it the fuck alone. And you don't need to be, like, revolutionary phenotyping and editing your genes and trying to forcibly, top-down, technocratically construct the perfect human. Yes, nature uh, will do that for you, and if you don't deserve to live, nature will sweep you away. Yes, because nature is both beautiful and terrible. Uh, it is the all-encompassing god. As like your conceptualization of nature isn't too far removed from the Christian conceptualization of God, and especially I, the Jewish conceptualization of God. The Jewish conceptualization of God is like God is out to get your fucking ass most well, of the I, time. Well, I I know I uh, so we we talked about this um, uh, last Saturday. Uh, so I think that my conceptualization of nature is 
uh, I think, at least tangentially related to uh, the Taoist uh, perspective of 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 the of the way, and uh, I think that this is where I disagree with uh, with with Christians because, like, uh, what I'm proposing is not precisely like specifically a a god in the Christian sense, um, but it's it's a thing that one can study, uh, and. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to say too much, uh, against, like, Christian theology without there being a Christian here to, uh, actually fight, fight back, uh, against me on it, but I'll just say this, uh, I think that the Christian God, it, 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 it borrows a lot from, from nature and how nature works, but then it also takes parts of other things and also wraps that into, like, this kind of, this thing that I think kind of uh more or less makes sense to humans because it's borrowed from so many different concepts but a lot of it is based off of what nature is so like i can i can agree with christians on a lot of things but not everything um yeah yeah that would be like a uh major parallax moment but he couldn't make it tonight unfortunately um hopefully we'll be able to talk to him again yeah, I'm sure he, he would have yeah. he, he tried to shit down my throat on that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is like, you should probably go watch the Rebel Wisdom video with Jonathan Peugeot and John Verveke. They kind of like, give like a fundamental framework for what this is more aptly than I've been able to do thus far because I've kind of only got halfway through it. But, and to wrap up with the hermeneutics of beauty... Especially in Taoism, that's actually a perfect example, because the great Tao, like the most fundamental and deep-seated mysteries of nature itself and the cosmos, your curiosity and you, like your scientific curiosity and interrogations of reality are forced into this... Your back is put into a corner and you kind of have to yield to this ineffable sense of wonder at the very core of it because you have to kind of realize with a degree of humility that your scientific, your curiosity, scientific interrogations, well-intentioned though they may be, sometimes not, depending on the situation, <laughs> however that goes, aren't never really going to get to the absolute core of being. Yeah, we, uh... uh... We 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 can strive to understand nature, in the same way that we can try to strive to understand the universe. But I don't think it's possible that we were we will ever fully understand it. It just it's one of those things. It's it's beyond human comprehension. Yeah. Now the the leftist technocrat would say that that is irrelevant and you sound like an old fuddy-duddy what we need to do is bring perfection to us through our science and build humanity in our image as perfect social men ah uh, yes if we simply had enough funding and engineering then we can do it don't worry don't think too much about it that's very german sentiment <laughs> fucking germans dude i'm telling you i'm telling you they're the root of a lot of evils it is you who are the evil, you filthy fucking Anglo swine! Pretty much. Freaking angry Germans. Angry Germans are like the worst Germans. Even nice Germans are like freaking. All Germans are angry, Breaker. 
You ever listen to a German? Even the nice ones sound like they want to beat you up or put you into a camp. I've started, I'm going to get into studying the German language pretty soon. It's like, from what I know of the German language, actually, it it, it sounds like very fucking abrupt and cutting and weirdly analytical. I, I don't know if analytical, like analytical has a special tone or timbre to it. But when I hear German spoken, I kind of get like this zeitgeist this super permeable zeitgeist coming forth even if i don't comprehend all the words it's like hmm this is a specific kind of person talking now almost as though uh uh the language that you are born with can influence your thinking <sighs> we need a thinking ape to go in on that one because that would be like a whole fucking show in it itself yeah yeah probably but anyway, shout-outs to the Rebel Wisdom YouTube channel. Shout-outs to Thinking Ape YouTube channel, since we invoked him. And also, shout-outs to this channel! Like and subscribe, and subscribe to Raid Shadow Legends. You Use code FROG to get 10% off your first epic champion, 50,000 silver, and as many lightning bolts to play for maybe a day until you need to resubscribe for 10 bucks. Raid Shadow Legends. Uh, it has the best graphics on of any mobile game because it's really good and the fighting is dynamic. Uh, buy, buy it. Give, give us money. Raid Shadow Legends is actually the best graphics ever. I don't know what the fuck you're talking. It sounds like someone needs to go to the fucking gulag and be re-educated on just how good Raid Shadow Legends is, motherfucker. <laughs> You're right, you're right. Raid Shadow Legends is not just the best graphics on mobile. It's it's next-gen fucking uh, 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 PS4 or Xbox Series X-level graphics. Yes. yes. That's why I... Damn, you're goddamn right, and that's what I better hear next time, motherfucker. <laughs> I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait until Raid Shadow Legends sends me an email asking me to, to, to support them. It's, I just, that, you know, that's all I want. I, that would be great. You know, all bullshit aside, they do pay a lot, so, you know, if you ever go down that road, unironically, you know. I, I, I think, I think that um, endorsing Raid Shadow Legends is, like, they may give you money to do it, but I think that it, by actually saying something like that, like actually endorsing that fucking piece of shit gotcha game, um, I think that you you ruin your credibility and, and you, you're actively trading your credibility for dollars. And I just, I think that's a really dumb thing to do, just strategically. Well, if you have 10,000 sub-channel with engagement uh, in the ballpark of... Uh, I think it's between one to five, somewhere between one and six thousand viewers per video average. Um, it's five hundred dollars a commercial. Uh, great. Yeah, I don't. And if you have a hundred thousand subscribers, it's five thousand dollars a commercial. And if you have a million subscribers, it's ten thousand dollars a commercial. Now you see why they all do it. <laughs> uh. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I, 
I don't I don't think I don't think I would I would take any of those deals. Fuck that shit. That's nope. Nope. Fuck Raid Shadow Legends. I know. I know for a fact that that game basically exists uh as kind of like a casino, but even worse because like like at a casino you still have a chance to like maybe try to get your money back or like maybe actually get some winnings. Um you you will every dollar that you pump in into that fucking game you will never see again it is just it's a hole that you can throw your dollars into and yeah they will pay people to advertise for this hole that you can throw money into but uh no fuck fuck that shit that's that's a that's not a business practice that i support and uh I, uh, I i you know what breaker at, at this point i think that uh we we probably have already uh I uh, relinquished our ability to get Raid Shadow Legends. Uh, <laughs> um, Speak for yourself, motherfucker! I'm gonna do a breakaway show! I have a, the Break Here show! <laughs> Send me an email! Pay no attention to that frog! <laughs> that cursed fucking frog! <laughs> okay, alright. Breaker, Breaker fucking supports Raid Shadow Legends. Send him an email. <laughs> Give me money! Give me that! <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, well, uh, with that, uh, I, uh, I think that, uh, let me see here. Uh, I had one other thing that I wanted to, um, touch upon. If anyone's still watching after this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one last thing. If anyone's still watching, uh, Bill Burr. Uh, recently came out with a comedy special on Netflix. Uh, it was fucking awful. Um, I think it was like a Bill Burr and and with with friends who kill or some shit like that. Um, uh, Michelle Wolf was on there. Um, she was not funny. Uh, Jimmy Carr was on there. He was all right. Uh, and everyone else was basically trash. Um, don't 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 waste uh, a fucking hour and a half of your life watching this shit. It was just a. Unfunny, uh, basically lefty propaganda comedy. Um, I don't know why it is that Bill Burr signed up to do this, uh, this, this hellish bullshit. You could kind of tell that he was phoning it in. Uh, but don't watch that shit. Uh, just wanted to say that, uh, just as a, as a, as a public service announcement. But, uh, anyway, uh, with that, I think that, uh, we can probably, uh, draw this one to a close. Uh, so, uh, peace out, everyone, and, uh, Breaker. Later, Gators. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or a poison dart frog will hop on your face in your sleep and you will die a slow and painful death. Hippity-hoppity, get off my property. <laughs>